Welcome back to Morning Trade Live. It's time for Inside Out. Let's talk some fundamentals and trade. Rivian, our target this morning. Dan Ives joins us, Managing Director of Equity Research at Wedbush. You just started coverage for this name, Dan. Nice, 130 bucks. So we got a few dollars to go here in this trade. Look, I think this is just a start because as they execute, this is a stock that could be 150, 170 and higher because of this. When you think about the five trillion that we believe is going to be spent over the next decade in EVs, two and a half, we, we believe that about 50% is Tesla. Where's the other half coming from? Is it Ford? Is it GM? I think Rivian's really, especially on SUVs and pickups, I mean, they're going to really start to own this market, spend a lot of time at their factory out in Northern Illinois. And I think this is a real special story over the coming years. Now, uh, what about, uh, Dan, the uh, demand? Do we know how it's going to fare next to the Cybertruck? Uh, can you like Tesla, like Rivian together? Do we have any idea what that uh, market, that kind of uh, pie will break down as? Look, Ford sells over 900,000 F-150s today. And I think it's part of how Bezos and Amazon, as well as Ford, when they bet on a an EV player, you know, early days over the last decade, it was Rivian. What they feel, it's vertically integrated. The software, the battery, and I think a unique model and sort of capabilities, what they've built in, in the Rivian, I'll call an all-sport vehicle, I think they could really dominate. I mean, the scale and scope, they're already at a point where many automakers might hope to be in the next 10, 15 years in terms of capacity. I look at reservations and sort of tea leaves over the coming years. I mean, they could be selling a million units over the next four to five years. What about the uh, Ford uh, situation kind of backing off from some of their commitments? I mean, they were in this company early on, so the context there, uh, you know, I guess uh, they just wanted to create some distance. I mean, it seemed like at the time, just kind of layman's response to that, in my opinion, was uh, concerning uh, when you have this uh, stalwart legacy stock uh, and company Ford seemingly saying maybe they don't they don't need some of this tech anymore. Well, Ford's made 10 to 15 billion on Rivian, right? So for Ford, it was a home run from right. an investment perspective. But but they also, I mean, if you could Farley and what they're doing at Ford, I mean, I, I think they feel organically they could really go after this market. Rivian, even though they're an investor, there is some co-opetition there, but also Rivian that's the higher end of the market. I mean, when you could F-150 from an electric vehicle perspective, 50, 55K, you know, Rivian 75, 80. So I think before it was a smart move. I think it was a smart move for Rivian. But let's just be clear. I mean, Rivian wouldn't be where it is today if it wasn't for Ford and Amazon as investors. So uh, what does the lineup look like here, Dan, for uh, who's going to sell the most uh, pickups uh, or large cars in general? I mean, uh, do we need to have that like leadership ladder ranked or is the point here that it doesn't really matter, that there's plenty to go around? Well, that's the point. You know, too many people talk about zero-sum game. Oh, are they going to steal share from Tesla? What happens about GM, Ford? This is $5 trillion that's going to be spent over the next day. I mean, today only 3% automotive or EVs, but that goes to 25% over the next five to six years. So there is a lot to go around. And that's why I believe there's a re-rating, as me and you have talked about, GM, Ford, VW. 
But I believe the pure play is look at Rivian. You know, obviously you saw Lucid did. And Tesla continues to really be our main player in EVs along with the whole food chain. But you look at pickup SUVs, that's going to be a trillion of the five trillion. So I think that's why I think Rivian's one where, you know, many could argue valuation. But, but I just want to stress, if you focused on the next year valuation, you would have missed Amazon, Netflix, Tesla. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the list goes on, right? Okay. Uh, Dan, uh, thanks as always. Glad to have you here on the initiation day. Appreciate it, sir. Dan Ives, Managing Director of Equity Research at Wedbush. Let's get George in here. Let's trade it. George, you got a bullish trade. Give me your most bullish trade first. I know Dan Ives says 130 bucks, not too far off from where we are, but let's get bulled up here. Come on, look at this market. Well, okay, so you can just go out and buy stock OJ or long calls, but if you look at the applied volatility, it's over 100%. So the calls are expensive. Uh, you could certainly neutralize some of that volatility, still be bullish, but you also have to take into consideration that uh, it looks like the earnings was announced or is going to be announced next Thursday on the 9th of December. So I'm looking at a, a bull call spread here, but I'm actually going to go out to January so I can avoid the, uh, the earnings rush. Uh, and this, again, is still a, an, an option with a lot of applied volatility or expensive volatility, so I'm going to neutralize it. I'm going to go out and buy and, and look to buy the January 120 call. I'm going to offset that high implied volatility by selling the 125 call. Now, this is, again, slightly out of the money. Uh, the delta on this trade is below 50. Ideally speaking, you'd like a delta around 50. Uh, in other words, buying at the money, then, of course, selling an option that's right above that in terms of the, the, the next strike. But in this case, the net debit, if you put this trade on early this morning, was around $200, $240 a contract or $2.40 a share. Now, uh, in this case, we certainly want to see the stock above the break-even price, which is $122.40. But the objective here is, is that the stock is going to, uh, at the very least, expire uh, at $125 or higher, and you get to achieve close to about one-to-one return on your risk. In other words, you're spending about $240 a contract to make $260. Uh, but again, it helps neutralize the uh, the implied volatility, which is rather inflated in these options because of the nature mm. of the stock, because it's still a new publicly traded company. And of course, uh, we've got the earnings coming out uh, next week. Okay, so you're saying better way to do it, go with the spread right now, likely. You know, if there's a massive, well, massive move, maybe you'll go, oh, okay, I wish I bought the call. But uh, hey, it hasn't really had any big upswings lately. So yeah, I mean that's you have to sort of look at the trade-offs, and so in this case, I'm neutralizing the high invol- implied volatility, but I'm also capping my uh, my potential gain. Mm-hmm. So that's unfortunately the risk and the trade-off associated with trading options. And like I said, you can go outright and spend for uh, for call options, but generally speaking, if I'm going to put on a trade where I'm straight up buying call options, I'll go deeper in the money. More expensive, yes, but your probability of uh, profits is higher. And so that's another trade-off you have to consider. All right, George, you got another way to do this? Uh, you got two trades for us, right? Yeah, so if you're gonna play the uh, the earnings trade, we got earnings, like I said, uh, next Thursday. So in this case, if you wanna capture high implied volatility, but you also think that the stock is going to be contained within a range, you could sell, uh, in this case, what, what I call a skewed iron condor. And so this essentially is uh, giving us a, a boundary. And so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to look for the December contracts, which expire in 10 days. So these are very narrow in time. I'm going to be selling the, uh, the put spread of one, 100 uh, and buying, still so selling the 100 put, buying the 95 put. And then I'm going to be selling the 145 call option 
and buying the 150 call option to hedge that bet. And so altogether, this is a four leg structure where uh, your credit now, the, the previous trade was for a debit, it would cost you outright, but in this case, there's a credit of $175 a contract or $1.75 per share. And so in this case, the objective is for the stock to trade within a range between $100 and $145 between now and expiration on Friday. And if you do that, uh, you can earn uh, or keep that $175. Hmm. Now your total risk on this trade is the difference between the spread on either side, it's $5 or uh, $325 a contract. So your return on risk is about 53% with a probability of profits about 64%, which is less than one standard deviation. But at the very least, you're getting a high return on risk, which is over 53% in this case. All right, uh, interesting. So a little bit of a different approach here, but uh, one that still gives you an ability to participate to the upside, but uh, within a contained range, a defined range of outcomes right. here that can work. So the stock has not been great. Uh, that's no secret. So I uh, think both these approaches make sense. George, thank you, sir. Our contributor joining us from Salt Lake, George Tillis.